Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of Top Tens. It's your boy, Leo Rydell, here with some others from Geek Vibes Nation, and we are excited to talk about our subject tonight. First subject, oh, tonight we are going to be talking about the top ten scenes from Infinity War. And, wow, I know I'm not the only one who thinks this, but that was of, if not Marvel's best movie to date. I mean, Jesus, it has stakes. It had edge. It has an amazing villain, the best Marvel villain we've seen so far. Um, but, wow. Uh, and I'm going to just get right to my panel. Uh, what's up, Juwan? Hey, what's going on? Ready to talk some Infinity War. In correction, Thanos is the second best villain. Our first best we had uh, in February. Ah, uh, okay. Well, in your opinion, dude, in your opinion, <laughs> I will say Killmonger was amazing. Um, I'm not going to – it could even be a 1A, 1B type of situation for me. But I'd be we will that. see. Uh, what's up, Isaac? How you doing? We're doing pretty good, pretty good. What's good? I'm super excited to talk about this fantastic cinematic marvel, no pun intended, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was it was a great movie, man. I mean, I just going back to that very first time that you saw it, and just the feeling right after. I know we can all agree was just shock, like straight up. Shock. Oh yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. and what's up, Gerald? <laughs> How you guys doing? Good, good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Just trying to get ahead in life. That's all. Hey, man, welcome back. It's good to have you back, brother. Anyway, tonight we will be talking the top ten in, in, uh, excuse me, the top ten scenes in Infinity War. And, oh, my goodness, I mean, it's almost hard to narrow it down to top top ten. There's so many good scenes. I mean, I cannot take my eyes off this movie. I've seen it three times, and even the third time I found myself changing my seat. Even though I knew what what all was gonna happen, I mean I'd already seen it twice, but I was just I was still ready. So we're gonna start at number ten, and I'm gonna go to you first, Juwan. Uh, give us our tenth best scene from Infinity War. Um. All right. So for number ten, I'm going to go with the opening scene. Uh, usually Marvel, when they start their scroll of the letters, uh, you know, of the letters for Marvel, there's always a fun song, there's always a fun theme. There was no song. All you heard were the Asgardians pleading for someone to come help them. And then all you see is um, bodies on the ground as Ebony Maul walks over them, only for us to get our first shot at Santos. Uh, giving giving what I think was a great speech, uh, saying how in the end you fail all the same. Uh, destiny arrives, but in the end you fall all the same. Um, that was just that scene was just chilling. You have Loki, um, who's offering up the Tesseract for Thor's life, only to say uh, we have a Hulk, 
And then we saw Hulk kind of get, I want to say his manhood taken away because Thanos came out with some weird (laughs) jiu-jitsu kind of moves and just completely just immobilized uh, the Hulk. Um, And then I I thought it was just, I got a little, uh, a little sad to see Loki go only because we saw his true redemption in Thor Ragnarok. And we saw even in that moment of despair where he could have been typical Loki, give uh, Thanos the Tesseract, uh, swear his allegiance. He died. Uh, he died a brother more so than a trickster. Uh, and I thought that was really emotional um, because in, in the line he gave Thor, where he said, "The sun will set on us again, brother." Um, I, I thought it was just beautiful. That to me is, is a sign that we may see Thor uh, ascend to Valhalla in the next one. But anyway, that scene was just very, very chilling. Thanos crushing the Tesseract just to get the gem out. Uh, I, I think that scene definitely deserves a spot on this list, just mainly for how it started, where there's no fun music, there's no fun, you know, anything. You just hear people pleading for their lives, only for us to get our first shot at Thanos. Oh, man, I mean, <laughs> you're saying it, and I'm just like, yep, instant number 10. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember sitting in theater and just, being, or just thinking like, where's the music? Oh man, this is this is getting started out. I mean, really serious. I, to be honest with you, I thought it was gonna kind of throw us in into a little bit of a fun moment at the beginning, but no, they just got right. straight to the edge. Um, and I I love their direction in that we had that that one shot where Thanos was holding Th- Loki up by the neck, and it's just kind of like, wow, take a quick glance here. This is Avenger, the very first Avengers villain getting easily dusted off by this guy who's been over him the entire time. I mean, that scene was just top to bottom amazing. Uh, I didn't expect the movie to open with that, so it was a little bit shocking to me, but uh, it, really, it really painted the picture for the audience of who this guy is and that he is just not a force to be reckoned with. Also, it gave us a good look into Ebony Ma, who was an amazing villain in his own. Kind of sad. I was kind of a little disappointed with how they like easily got rid of him. But man, I love yeah, his powers. I love that guy's script. Like, wow, he was just such a poetic character. But yes, that is definitely a spot on this. Definitely deserves a spot on this list for me. Uh, Isaac, what do you think? Do you think it deserves a spot on the list? Um, yeah, I think it absolutely deserves a spot on the list, and I think it deserves a spot on the list mainly because um, of that subverted expectation at the beginning. You know, um, Avengers 1 and, and, and Age, of, Age of Ultron was very, um, it was, they were both relatively light in their own way when they started out. It didn't make the audience feel graphically uncomfortable. I think everybody was very interested, but it was like a lighthearted type of thing. And then Infinity War pops up, and you're thrust into the middle of a half-genocide with a giant purple man spewing death monologues at you. And you are just caught off guard. It's, It's so horrifying. And I think that was great because my jaw dropped the second he stabbed Heimdall and I just, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I didn't know what to do at all. <laughs> and, it was, and, and Heimdall was a brave sacrifice. 
and you, you say, you, I mean, like, I love what you said about the monologues of death because uh, the script is what makes those lines, but dang, Brolin's voice, man. Like, I, I, I think was, that was just the perfect villain voice. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it because, well, I was expecting it more so because I remember there's a, there's a line in Guardians that always sticks with me where he says, I will bathe the stallways in your blood. And that, that tone just carries out through the whole movie, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, Thanos is out for everyone's blood. Yeah, when I heard that line, I was just like, oh, man, if, if he's this sinister just for, uh, uh, what was it, Ronan, what is he going to be like when he sees the Avengers? And then sure enough, he was even more menacing uh, when he caught up with the Avengers. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, Gerald, what do you think? Does this deserve a spot on the list? Yeah, definitely, for the simple fact, just that opening scene alone, like, like uh, to piggyback off what Juwan said about how, you know, usually, even with every Marvel movie, like, they always start off with something giddy and happy, you know, a happy tone, and then they play, like, you know, the opening sequence to whatever Marvel movie they're playing. But just to hear cries, you know, outcries of help and to hear pure silence and then just to see, like, literally the, the mad tyrant standing over, you know, death and chaos, that, to me, ten, number 10 is kind of pushing it. I would definitely give it, like, a, a, you know, definitely lower on the list or higher, if you want to call it, but it definitely deserves a spot on this list. Absolutely, and we will be able to come back to it and rearrange. Um, I think it could even be etched up a little bit higher, but it was just, I mean, to get us started off, that was just like the movie. Very, very, very off-putting and crazy. So we're going to move into number nine, and I'm going to go to you, Gerald. Give us number nine, man. No, Number nine, I want to say... Uh, was Guardians meeting Thor for the first time. That whole comedic scene was just gold. Like, I honestly, it should be low on the list, but, you know, me just chiming in, you know, on the top ten list, I got to say, I will put that at number nine because the, the banter that Thor and um, Star-Lord had back and forth, that was, to me, that was actually really good and, like, really well writing. So I would say that that's number nine. Yeah, man, um, when you started talking about it, I kind of started laughing a bit because I had to mute myself. Just that, that banter, I mean, even just before Thor even woke up, the the banter between the Guardians and she's like, or Grimora's just like touching his arm and he's like, don't stroke his arm, like, don't stroke his muscles. It, it, it's just the Guardians bring a comedy to the movie that nobody else could, and it's, and, and just the way that James Gunn had, had some involvement in this movie with picking the songs, he knows the Guardians well enough to where as soon as the song plays, you know, okay, the Guardians are here. Like, I, I just, that whole scene, um, even when they even just found the bodies to when, to when Rocket and Thor leave the ship, it's just a great, uh, an amazing scene, one of the funniest in the movie. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely put that in number nine. I would have put it a little bit higher, but get us started off. I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. How about you, Juwan? You think it deserves a spot on the list? Um, yeah. 
and I, what I love most about it was, um, <clears throat> aside from the, the comedy, obviously, was how they were able to um, tie in how the Guardians even stumbled across Thor. Uh, and it was when they, again, how the movie started to where they were calling out for help, uh, a distress beacon, the guardians picked it up. Why? Because they're the guardians of the galaxy and they're looking for a little, as Star-Lord said, cheddar cheese. Um, so they responded to it. So, I mean, to me, things like that, that casual moviegoers don't really care about. They just really want to have fun with it are important to me because I need to know, like, so you're telling me a huge galaxy, the Guardians just stumbled across where the Asgardian ship had, had uh, blown up at? To me, you know, that would have upset me if they didn't explain it. But the fact that they did, they took the time to very quickly uh, explain it, even in the form of a joke. Um, and to the point you were making before, James Gunn actually wrote all of the Guardians uh, scenes. So all the scenes that had the Guardians in it, uh, as far as their dialogue, he wrote them. Um, so that was just a lot of fun for, to see him come in because I feel like I kind of don't think anyone else should be able to, to write for the Guardians. That's James Gunn's baby. Um, just like I feel like now the Russos completely own Captain America. I don't see anyone else write for Captain America. Um, you know, Amen. but the scene was hilarious. The scene was hilarious. It was really good to get uh, some emotion from Thor um, and to finally see the Avengers, not the full team, but at least one of their, their founding members, um, interact with the Guardians. It, it just let you know how truly big the Marvel Universe is and that this is only a little bit of what to expect <clears throat> if Marvel can get their characters back, of how much fun it would be to see our <laughs> heroes interact. Yeah, man. Uh, to your point of James Gunn writing all the Guardians, yeah. I mean, who, are they really going to make the Russo brothers? Write it if James Gunn is still around. Like I would hope not. <laughs> so that was a smart move on the studio's part. Uh, and and just this is this is one thing that Marvel does so well is it let its creators create. Um, yep. They they wouldn't give the Guardians of the Galaxy to say the Russo brothers or Taika Waititi. They're giving it back to who made it. And I mean James Gunn is just he's so good at even just keeping up with people on Twitter. It's like he's clearly passionate in the Guardians, they would be making a huge mistake not letting him do it. So it was very well written, just a, a great scene, and I, I like what you said there about the little thread and tie-in. Um, Isaac, I'm going to go to you. Do you think it deserves a spot on the list? I absolutely do think it deserves a spot on the list. And uh, just, just, so we're, just for transparency, um, I am 100% completely obsessed with everything James Gunn is involved with. I have loved James Gunn for a very, very long time. He wrote um, one of my favorite horror movies and directed it. It's called Slither. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, you definitely should check it out. It's hilarious, bloody, gory, perfect. Um, and so when, uh, when I heard that James Gunn was writing the Guardian's dialogue in, in, their, in their scripts, I was screaming with excitement. I was so happy. And I think that this scene perfectly encapsulates everything that the guardians actually stand for. I think because they, this guy opened his eye, his one eye and uh, they just, they just brought him on board and they, they didn't really know if he was dead or not, but they were sure as hell 
willing to find out and, and, and like, mess with each other all along the way while trying to figure out this horrible situation. Mind you, floating in a space where there's dead bodies everywhere. I just... Everywhere. I thought it was great, yeah. Yeah, they were just, Damn it. They were just floating. Possibly. <laughs> Yeah, okay, were you I mean, uh, done there? I didn't want to... Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't want to cut you off, Isaac. Were you done? Oh, yeah. No, I was done. I apologize. <laughs> oh, okay. For sure. What were you saying, Juwan? No, I was just going to say one of the more funnier lines from the movie, uh, he goes, uh, who is this dude? And Drax goes, he's not a dude. You're a dude. <laughs> You're a dude? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, this is a man. <laughs> He's just like, Drax, what are you talking about? Like, it's the same thing, man. So he was, that, that, he was, that was super hell-bent on thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Leo, are you there? Hello? Hello? Anyone there? Leo. Leo? Okay. Gerald, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. All right, Leo? All right, I'm going to text Leo, but I'll take it from there. Um, okay. All right, so that's that's our number nine. Um, all right, so I'm going to go to you, Isaac. What would you put in as number eight? Um, Number eight. I think what I would like to – I think number eight I would – I'd actually have to say – the um, the Banner and Hulk dialogue was uh, something I was incredibly interested in, and the uh, the fights that Banner and Hulk have with one another throughout the film, uh, I think they're super great, but also incredibly good for his development. So, what what? Is there a particular scene that 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 you really enjoyed um, of them going back and forth, whether it was the battle in New York or the battle in Wakanda? Is there a specific scene? Yeah, actually, um, I think it was. I believe this was in the Battle of New York when the Black Order had come, and he gets knocked to the ground, and he's trying to to bring it up, and Hulk finally comes out of the space and he goes, "No!" and he asks him, "What do you mean, no?" Because I thought it was like, it was almost like they were, it was like, a, it was like a, a ch- uh, an angry parent talking to their inconsolable child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely um, agree with you. And I, I, love, I love how the Russo brothers define that to where it wasn't necessarily Hulk being scared. He was just tired of fighting Banner's battles. Like Banner would always get him in some crap. And since he can't fight because he's just a scientist, Hulk would have to come out and, and, and handle the business for him. And he's just, he's at that point now to where he's like, listen, uh, I was enjoying just relaxing on Sakaar. You brought me into this. Now you got this mad Titan doing jujitsu on me. I didn't ask for any of this. I'm sick of it. You know, I thought that, I thought that was brilliant. I love that. Um, but let me kick it back to Leo. We got Leo back. Uh, I, I don't want to take it from Leo. Go ahead, Leo. Yeah, sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. I actually... I actually was putting an entry in on my list, and then Jawan texted me. He was like, where'd you go? 
And I'm like, oh, I've just been talking to myself for a good two and a half minutes. All right, let me get back to you guys. Um, was, was, was that your choice uh, for a list entry? It sure was. Oh, man, yeah, I loved um, seeing that interview when the Russo brothers were just kind of talking about the Hulk. They kind of diffused the whole fear aspect of it. Um, I, I thought he was afraid of Thanos, but I like where they went with it instead of saying there's this internal conflict going on between two people in one body. You know, Banner wants the Hulk to come help out, but like you were saying, Juwan, he just wanted to kick back on some cars. Like, this dude, yeah. like I'm, I'm sick of it, dude. Like, come on, give me a break. I didn't ask for this. I'm just trying to kick back. I'm just trying to be the Hulk. But you want me to be something completely different, which that'll be a great dynamic to explore in the second movie. I can't wait to see him finally come back, you know, because as we know, he's going to come back at some point. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely agree with you that deserves a spot on the list. Uh, did we get to Gerald? Nope, we didn't get to him yet. All right, uh, what did you think about it, Gerald? Uh, does that deserve a spot on the list? Definitely, especially when he calls him a big green bastard. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's just like that banter, that, that banter was great, but I, I also, if I can go off script a little bit, I also love the fan theory of saying, people were saying, like, what if, you know, Loki used one of his holograms to get killed, and he was posing as Bruce Banner the whole time, and that's the reason why, you know, the Hulk didn't want to come out. What if, like, Loki was, you know, Bruce? But um, but that whole banter with um, the Hulk and, you know, Bruce Banner, that, that was actually really good, and it was actually really genius because it seems like now they're starting to go, like, tap into the cartoon element and then, like, the, co- the comic book element now because I, I know watching um, – I'm sure everybody here watched um, World's Mightiest Heroes, the, the first Disney Channel um, Avengers costume. A, a cartoon yeah, where, yeah. where the Hulk will look at the mirror and he will see Bruce Banner, and then when Bruce Banner will look at the mirror, he will see the Hulk, and they will have conversations like that. So to incorporate that into the movie, I thought that was really dope because before Avengers Assembled, Earth Mightiest Heroes was like the dopest Avengers cartoon ever, and to have like that element where the Hulk is like, you know. Bruce, you never really care about me. Every time you get into a pickle, now you just you want the Hulk come out. You know what? Nah, you're on your own. And they actually had, I think, a conversation like that. They one of like the first couple of episodes of um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, where Bruce is sitting in a diner, and the Hulk comes out. You know, finally, because it's been like two or three years since the Hulk came out, and the Hulk said to him, to Bruce, he's like, you know what? I will fight your barrels for one condition, Bruce Banner never steps foot on this earth and Bruce Banner agreed to it. So to see that conflict go between, you know, Bruce and the Hulk was actually pretty dope. It tapped me back into like, you know, I guess I want to say it was like 2008, 2009 Avengers cartoon. So that actually brought me back. So that definitely deserves a spot on the list. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that earth's mightiest hero. Um, hello? Yeah, you're there, Leo. Sorry. You're there. Okay. No, nope, he's there. <laughs> I was like, making sure I'm not talking to myself again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I uh, definitely agree with you, Gerald. It's nice to see, like, the 
Banner and Hulk dynamic like actually come to the screen because all we got before that was Thor Ragnarok really. Um, it, it, he would just come. The Hulk would just come out before those movies. So it's nice to get to to explore the dynamic a lot more. But um, all right. So we've got so far number ten. Thanos destroys Asgard. Number nine, Thor meets the Guardians of the Galaxy. Number eight, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Isaac, but this was Bruce Banner and Hulk, their banter in Wakanda. Indeed. All right. Oh, no, that was, um, go... that was the battle in New York. I'm sorry. Oh, battle in New York. Okay, excuse me. Let me go ahead and uh, yeah. correct that. Um, so Bruce Banner and Hulk in New York. And I'm mm-hmm. going to put on there when Thor creates Stormbreaker. Uh, the reason being, like, Thor, I think, got, has gotten such a great redemption <laughs> with Marvel because Dark World was trash. Now, I don't know if anybody else thinks <laughs> that it was a great movie, but that movie I've seen probably fully uh-uh. twice, and now I cannot even go back and rewatch it. Like, it is just such an atrocious movie. It's on TV all the time because they're just like, please, please, please watch this movie. And the first one... Like, I didn't think it was that great. Like, I didn't think it was bad, but it just doesn't have a rewatchability like a lot of the movies do. But Thor Ragnarok, that, especially when you compare it to those earlier two, was, like, Thor's, by far, Thor's best movie. And um, this movie just took it up even more of a notch. It's like, let's give this guy a new weapon, a better one, and him just being brave enough to go open the star almost sacrificed his life to make the weapon, or pretty much did, because the axe is what kept his lifeline going. Um, so I just got to give it to Thor. Got to put that on this list. What do you guys think, Juwan? Um, I agree with you as far as uh, he's had a great redemption. I think, um, I personally, I think I'm the only one who thinks uh, the Russos were the only people to get Thor right, head to toe, as far as being able to maintain his humor but giving us a comic accurate, like just badass, completely going ham on everyone kind of Thor. I felt like we didn't really get a great size of that um, because you had Thor taking out Hela's minion, but then he couldn't take out Hela. So it was just like, all right, so is he strong or is he just like strong? Like, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like, remember when the Power Rangers would take out like those, those silly putty things or whatever those things were, but like they just could never defeat Lord Zed? So it was like, I, I never could understand yeah. the full extent of their powers. So it's like, so you're telling me you could take out the fat kid with glasses, but you can't take out the brolic guy who plays football? So I was just like, I, I never understood where their <laughs> actual power lies. Um, so I felt like Taika Waititi, you know, he made Thor an interesting character again. But, like, I just never felt in that movie he was, like, one of the strongest Avengers ever. I never felt that. I got that in Infinity War him holding open that, that mechanism long enough to withstand the star to get uh, Stormbreaker created. Excuse me. And then when he landed in Wakanda, I was just like, yes, this is Thor. OP Thor. Thor that when he has a hammer in his hand, there's just nothing that's stopping him. Um, I think the Russo brothers completely captured that. Uh, but, yes, I'm sorry. To answer your question, I do agree. The scene uh, with him creating Stormbreaker definitely deserves a spot on this list. And it was the only time you actually saw Groot do something. So you definitely have to put it on that. Well, the only time you saw Groot do something besides die. So, yeah. 
Absolutely, man. I mean, I agree with everything you said. Thor is just at his best in this. And not to mention, like, Thor was besting the Hulk in that mo- in uh, Ragnarok. Right. But he couldn't even beat Hela, like you are saying. So this really painted a vivid picture of how much power he has. I mean, this guy has been able to go blow for blow with the century. So come on, let's 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 show his power levels. And they did that very, very well in this one. Uh, Isaac, what did you think? Does this belong on the list? It sure does. Also, um, just a side note, Juwan, you you you're not gonna come for Groot like that. You, you leave my you leave my you leave my baby boy alone. Um, um, secondly, yeah, no, I absolutely think that uh, this deserves to be on the list. Um, I know I'm I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. But I was tired when I watched the first Infinity War. I'd been up for at least 22 hours prior. And so at the, uh, the Stormbreaker creation, I did kind of doze in and out. So I didn't get the full effect of it the first time. But I got, when I went the second time, I was definitely blown down because this was a really breaking point for Thor because he, he was pretty sure that all of his friends and family were dead. He didn't, it didn't seem like, he considers the event, the Earth, the Avengers friends, not really that much, not in the way that the Asgardians have been there for him. And he saw an entire half of his people slaughtered, his brother strangled to death, his, his father disappear into fairy dust, and he had his, his newly found half-sister try to like, stab him in the throat and destroy his life. So um, this was a great point to illustrate that Thor had nothing. He had nothing to lose. He had nothing to lose. He'd lost everything at that point and thought, you know what? It's worth dying to try than to not try at all. What is the point if I don't? And he, he deserved it. I feel like Asgard was looking over him when he fell down, but Stormbreaker was still still managed to be created. And I think that was everyone who loves him looking after him and saying, you deserve this, now go kill him. Yeah, man, I, and, and to your point, um, I thought Groot kind of wrapping his, wrapping his arm around Stormbreaker and attaching it to himself was almost kind of like, you know, new friends bonding with old um, to make the ultimate weapon. So it was, like, really yeah. cool to to see just those dynamics kind of wrap up. And like you said, he deserved this. I mean, he lost everything. So it's like, might as well try. <laughs> and he tried to yeah, defeat him, man. I mean, Stormbreaker was awesome. It was like ultimate Mjolnir on steroids. So loved every bit of that act. Gerald, how about yeah, you, man? Absolutely. Does this belong on the list? Um, it definitely does. I'm just upset that nobody mentioned um, Delta Ray, or is it, is it Delta Ray or Delta Ray? I think it's Delta Ray. Beta Ray. Beta Ray. Beta Ray. Beta Ray. The fact that nobody mentioned him yet, the fact that, you know, Marvel has been hinting at him since, you know, Thor Ragnarok, even though that's um, his weapon when he becomes, like, you know, their, his version of Thor, 
And I also like yep. the fact that they gave him Storm Chaser because he had that. Anybody remember the movie, um, the Ultimate Avengers movie, like the animated Marvel movies that they did uh, a couple of years back? Yeah. If, if you don't, uh, just, you know, I don't think I've seen where, that. It's a scene where Thor, and um, it's the first Avengers movie, uh, Thor actually has that, you know, hammer axe. And he's like besting Hulk with that. So to, to see that hammer, you know, and inside, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they hinted at, uh, was it, is, is it Data? Data Ray Bill? Yeah, so. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill. I always, I always see Belta. I don't know why, but it's Beta Ray Bill to, um, to be in that movie. Even though they never put him in there, but they put uh, like a, I want to say a shrine to him in Thor Ragnarok at the Grandmaster's uh, palace, and then they bring his hammer in there. So I'm kind of, it seems like they're foreshadowing the fact that he may make an appearance in this sometime. Like maybe like when Chris Hemsworth says, you know what, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go make Norway Asgard, and you know they go, well, you know what, we're gonna need another Thor. His, you know. Beta Ray Bill. So, I mean, it seems like they're, they're hinting at it, but definitely, like, especially that entrance when the, you know, the Bifrost came crashing down to Earth and you just see Storm Chaser cutting down whatever type of roaches, you know, Thanos had in his little shelves and it was just cutting them in half and then it comes back to him. And then that one lightning scene when he jumped up in the air and just did that one hammer strike down, and killed everything, and you see him, Rocket, and Groot just running towards battle. Like that, that was just iconic. Like best to me, one of the best scenes in that that movie. So definitely deserves a spot on that list. Just really quick, yeah, yeah. man. Um, just really quick, because uh, Gerald, uh, a lot of people have been confusing that. So just to um, just to correct you, from the ultimate, uh, that wasn't uh, Stormbreaker. It was called Nyrn something. Nyrn something? Uh, it was in the comics. He actually... Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, in the that comics. Was the axe. Yeah, in the comics, he did have an axe uh, that was shaped the same. So what they did was they shaped in Infinity War, they shaped the weapon to look just like that, but they just decided to call it Stormbreaker. Um, so mm. I think that was their way of telling you that you won't get um, Beta Ray Bill because I doubt they're going to pass that weapon on. Uh, I think if you see any version of a new story, be Valkyrie. Um, you know, Valkyrie, or if they go the route of Jane Foster like they did in the comics with female Thor, uh, if Thor decided it's to step awesome. away. But, um, yeah, no, no, I agree with you on that. But I just wanted to, to correct that because a lot of people – thought that that was the same exact weapon. Uh, they shaped it like it, uh, and to a degree, Stormbreaker, it does kind of look like that, but that act is based off of an actual weapon that Thor himself had uh, in the Ultimate comic. And it's Stormbreaker, Gerald, not Storm Chaser. It was Breaker? <laughs> All right, word, whatever it was. Breaker. I'm, well, look at it this way. It chased bastards, so it's Storm Chaser to me. <laughs> I guess that's a way to look at it, Gerald. All right. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a. Um, it was like a crossover. Of, I would say Yarnborn and Ultimate Mjolnir, because Ultimate Mjolnir was like a giant hammer, and Yarnborn was like an axe. So it's like they kind of took the back of Ultimate Mjolnir and put it on Yarnborn and called it Stormbreaker. 
Um, yeah. But, yeah, to, to your point, Gerald, yeah, Beta Ray Bill did have a statue on the in, – in the car. He was, like, a champion, I, I suppose. But I don't know if we'll get him ever. I, I think it would be cool if they decided to continue the Thor line and bring him in. Great. I'm not going to complain, but I don't know. He, he might just be so far progressed. Like, he would have been a good villain maybe in Ragnarok, uh, but – I don't know. He's come such a long way. I don't know if Beta Ray Bill will be enough at this point. But we're going to throw that at number seven, and I'm going to go back to you, Juwan, for number six. Uh, for number six, I'm going with the scene that I thought was arguably one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie, and that is the Battle of New York on the street, Stark stepping up to the plate, not even knowing what's there. He's just He's so advanced in, in his years of being a hero. You know, it's it's no more shying away from things or trying to feel out what's going on. It's just I'm ready to step right into battle. Uh, and the reason why I said I thought it was one of the funnier scenes was I never, and I am. Uh, I was telling Dane this when we were reviewing the movie uh, a week or two ago, I'm a huge fan of the Black Order. I have been since their uh, origins in, I believe it was the Infinity comic. Um, I just love the idea of Thanos having henchmen. So what I never thought of was how similar um, Ebony Maw looks to Squidward. Like, I, I never thought about that. And then as Stark said it, I was just like, I was like, yeah, he does look like Squidward. Um, and I remember <laughs> asking, he asked Strange, he said, uh, I believe he said, Stonebearer, does this babbling monkey or animal speak for you? And he goes, he surely does not. I, I just loved it because at that point, Strange and Stark were butting heads. It was egos coming alive. Um, and, and the scene that stole the, uh, the charisma from Stark from me is when um, uh, Black Dwarf, I believe was his name, um, went to go hit the final blow on Stark. And all of a sudden, you just see, you just see the hammer stop. And you're like, what the heck happened? Like, does Stark have more new technology? He's like, nope, it's Spider-Man. Like, that was just so dope. I, just, I loved it. <laughs> Everyone went to in the theater because that's such a Spidey thing to do. And then he goes, yeah. Mr. Stark, why is this guy so angry? And he's like, I don't know, Peter. He's like, all I know is these two wizards have something that these guys want. <laughs> he just kept calling them wizards. It was hilarious. He was telling Bruce, stop embarrassing me in front of the wizards. It was just—it was so much comedy in that one scene, and then the the part of that Battle of New York that I thought was one of visually the dopest we've ever had in the MCU is seeing Stark's armor attached to his body, like I wanted yes. in Iron Man three, uh, but visually it was just so dope. I mean, we all thought from. The nanosuit, exactly. We all thought from the, the still shot that we got of him uh, with the, the blasters, we thought that maybe it was Wakanda technology. I love how it's not. It's Stark's advanced technology uh, with, with the nanites. So I love that. Um, but the way it attaches, he slowly walked and took off his glasses. Just such visually, such a dope scene. Um, so I'm going with, I don't know how to classify it, but I guess the Battle of New York scene is the best way to classify it. Yeah, I called that scene the Battle of New York Part 2. Uh, we had a Battle of New York in, in Avengers. In Avengers, like, Here's right. another Battle of New York. 
yep, that on New York part two, <laughs> dude, oh my God. Like, the, as soon as you started talking about the nanotech, I just started geeking out, like, hard. Because I remember um, in the premiere screening I was in, just when that happened, I, I heard, like, so many, like, <gasps> so many just loud gasps. Like, holy crap, this is just visually beautiful. I mean, they were just, the nanotech was just spreading all over them, and it was, is visually amazing. And then he's like in that suit and I'm just like, This this is Iron Man. This is what he deserves. Um in in the second screening I was in, people clapped as soon as they stopped. Um it was just it was visually a spectacle and you know my favorite part of that scene was exactly when you're talking about it was when Spider Man stopped the hammer. Uh it's just very, very Peter Parker, very Spider Man to show up and just at the last moment something quippy, something funny, something cool. And then he's like, there goes the <laughs> wizard kid. I'm on it. Because <laughs> what made me laugh the most was uh, his appearance was very reminiscent of when he arrived in Civil War, when he just lands and goes, hey, guys. Like, he land, he, yeah. he stops the he stops the attack, and then he just goes, hey, Mr. Stark. Like, like it's no big deal. Like, he's not, he's not helping save <laughs> the Earth at that moment. I just I, – I love it. I love how no matter – what situation Spider-Man is in, he always just has that lovable charm about him. So where he's always just joking about something. And I thought that was just, I think Tom Holland is the perfect essence of the ultimate Spider-Man, but just the core of what you want Spider-Man to always be. And that's uh, fun, loving, charming, and just always hilarious. And I think he completely captured that. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Holland's best one so far, by far, in my opinion. Um, some people, yeah will argue Andrew Garfield, but I'm like, dude, he cannot capture comedy nah, like that. Not um, even. He just, not even. And, and McGuire, same deal. I mean, it, it, I'm just not even going to go. That's a whole other wormhole. Whole other wormhole. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> Isaac, uh, what do you think? Does this deserve a spot on the list? Oh, absolutely. Um, I guess since we're talking about, like, the scene, the whole Battle of New York scene that it seems like we're talking about, um, something that I wanted to highlight, I was actually going to highlight in my own, but now that we're here, I may as well. Um, one of my favorite, my favorite thing. Um, so when I went to see it the first time, I went to, uh, I went to Harkins Theater in Stapleton, and I saw it in the Capri Theater, and it was like a big surround sound uh, type of theater. Um, and the, the, what, what, what caught my eye the very, very most was not when they appeared, but before they appeared, when they were all in the sanctum and they were, um, they were just talking, but all of a sudden, everything started rumbling. But then the camera made a super drastic turn, and it was incredibly reminiscent of found footage and horror, um, very, very scary, thrilling type of action sequence. And then it, it actually just hit me while you guys are talking that it looks like a better done version of the opening scene to Batman versus Superman. When Batman is, when, when Bruce Wayne is running through yeah. the, the yeah. city and it looks just yeah. like that, but much better. <laughs> Way better. Oh man. So I thought that was really great because the Russo brothers are really, they're really showing their chops with the camera work, man. They're, they're really pushing it, and I thought that was super different 
um, that angle because everyone was running and screaming and there was all this this chaos. Tony being like, "Don't don't let her fall. Help her up. Go uh, go get help. Call this and that. Let's 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 be cool. Let's keep calm. Let's figure this out. But for the love of God, don't fall over yourselves." <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, to your point with the Russo brothers and camera work, they are just some of the best with dynamic action. Um, and my biggest example is in Civil War uh, when Cap just swerves that car and comes running out, and they, like, perfectly depict that to where it's believable. Uh, they're, they're geniuses when it comes to cinematography and the moves they make <clears throat> with each and every one of these characters. I mean, as, as you see in this movie, it's just they, they know how to, A, capture action, and B, capture the characters in their best moments. So I, I got to give props to the Russos for this scene. They did do better than Batman versus Superman. Uh, Gerald, I'm going to go to you. What, what are your thoughts? Do you think this deserves a spot on the list? Earth is closed today. Greatest line in that movie. But so far, <laughs> one of the one of the greatest lines in that movie. I'm not going to say hands down because there was other great lines in that movie, but greatest line in that movie, and then followed up with Squidward. So I mean, definitely. And then you know, the banter that Tony had with Bruce was like, you know, to piggyback off what everybody else was saying. Like he's like basically like, come on, man. Like, like he's looking at him like. Are you having performance issues? Like, you know, they can fix that, you know. So, I mean, it, 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 was, it was a really great scene. And I like the, the one scene where Tony gets, I want to say, punched into the tree. And then Bruce comes running over like, hey, Tony, how we doing? Are we winning? And Tony just like sarcastically just looks over at him like, yeah, we're fine. You know, we're, we're doing good. And like kind of like pushes him out the way because the claw was coming at him. But like just those little like, you know, little banters and sarcasm just made that scene even great. And then out of nowhere, bam, Spider-Man comes in and, you know, Iron Man is just like, kid, where did you come from? Oh, I was on a field trip. And then gets smacked to the other side of the field. So that, that scene definitely <laughs> deserves to be, you know, on the list. Yes, sir. It's, it's a great scene. I mean, just beginning to end from when... <laughs> Freaking Ebony Maws compared to Squidward. <laughs> All the way up to when they're going into space. And I actually thought that was a beautiful visual piece from this whole scene. Um, when Peter was in the air on the spaceship and he pulls his mask off, can barely breathe, and his he falls and the suit comes on the iron spidey suit gets on attached to him. Oh my god, that scene was oh, that was like one of the best ones in the movie. Um <laughs> I just love the new Iron Spider suit, and that was just a great thing. So I'm going to go to you next, Gerald. Uh, go ahead and give us our next entry. Oh, man. Um, I want to say everybody's doing laughable scenes and stuff like that. I'm going to hit with the heartstrings. I want to say when Thanos sacrificed Gamora. Even though he didn't want to, it was hence that, like, you know, he really, he really loved her. Like, it wasn't like, you know, yeah, I, I took you from your home planet and, you know, I, I, you know, made you into this warrior. He, he goes, basically, 
I saw myself in you, even though you're not of my blood, I saw myself in you. You fought off a Cree, you know, I guess I want to say a Cree marshal, and he was looking for your mom. And to just to see, you know, just to see Thanos, I lost my train of thought because my niece just walked in the room, sorry. But um, it, it was just that, damn, I'm trying to remember what I was saying. I really forgot because my niece just walked in the room. You want me to take it for you, Gerald? I'm, I'm trying to like re- replace my steps because I was like I was like doing like the hushy face because she's like I don't know if you guys can hear her because she's talking. <laughs> um, we do. So yeah, it was just like you know when when he sacrificed her. Otherwise, and like you know he was, you know he saw himself in her because one of the main things that that hit home was like when he's like you know. I'm a survivor when he showed the reality of what, you know, Titan used to be to Dr. Strange and to see the tears, real genuine tears, you know, come down his face, you know, when the red skull was saying, you know, she's laughing at him saying like, you know, you love nothing. Like, why are you crying? And then what really impacted the scene was when red skull just looks like Gamora and goes, those tears are not for, no, not for him. And that's when it clicked in her, like, okay, he's going to sacrifice me. And, like, to see those genuine tears come down his face, he really loved her as if she came from him. So so to have to sacrifice her to go, you know, fulfill his mission. And even at the very last scene of the movie, she, you know, Gamora, young Gamora, because that's how he sees her. Because if you guys remember in the movie, um, he always called her little one. He always saw her as his baby girl. So to see her soul trapped in the soul stone, and to look at her, you know, and she goes, you know, did you do it? And he goes, you know, and with sadness in his voice, he says, yes. And she, you know, retorts back with, you know, at what cost? And he just basically, with sadness in his heart again, says, you know, it, it costs everything. So that, that, those scenes with him and Gamora, you know, he really loved her. And to have to sacrifice him, that, that's something like, it, you know, that, that really hits home. So, that that scene I'm you know offering up to be on the list. Yeah, uh, I have a lot to say about it, but I'm gonna kick it to you first, Jawan, because you actually brought it up before we came on. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you. Uh, that scene definitely deserves a spot on there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what I loved the most was just how how gripping that scene was because to me what determines a true villain is when you're faced with the highest form of adversity. Uh, Do you rise above it or do you crumble to it? And I told you guys, uh, I felt like Vader crumbled to it. Um, He was faced with the opportunity to completely take out Luke, his son, and embrace the dark side, and he couldn't do it. Um, Thanos, when faced uh, at that moment, was able to do it through, I mean, and it wasn't even like you do a lightsaber strike and she falls and she like, you know, she's, she's losing, she's losing, uh, you know, her life and everything. This was, you grabbed her by an arm and just threw her like a Frisbee, like off of a cliff. And it's just like that under any cir- under no circumstances is that easy. So to me, uh, I think that definitely deserves a spot. And like Gerald said, uh, the scene that touched me the most uh, was when they said, 
you know, he started crying. And she goes, really? Tears? And Red Skull is like, yeah, they're not for him. They're for what he's about to do to you. Um, it was just like, wow. Like, it, it's really about to happen. Um, so, yeah, to me, that definitely deserves a spot on that list. Yeah, man. I mean, to your point, Gerald, uh, when you were talking about him calling her little one, he even called her that to the very end. I mean, he before he grabs her, he's just like, sorry, little one, and snatches her up. Uh, it was and, – and kind of going off the topic of Gamora and Thanos, like, it was kind of cool to see Red Skull. I'm not going to lie, when I saw Red Skull in, like, the cape and he, he was, like, covered up, I was like, is that death? Like – I was I was very confused, um, and then when they revealed that it was Red Skull, I thought it was cool. Uh, I I th- knew it wasn't Hugo Weaving. A couple people thought it was him still, but was like that's not Hugo Weaving. But cool, we get Red Skull back, and maybe he'll have some more involvement. Who knows? Because um, I thought he was a villain who never reached his max potential. Of course, Marvel always does their one and done type of villains. They're in for one movie, and then oh, never see him again. Select few have only survived, but I like Red Skull, so it was cool to see him come back. Maybe he'll have some more involvement. Um, to your point, Juwan, wow, uh, you painted it perfectly. He literally threw her off like she was a frisbee. Um, as much as it hurt him, he was not going to stop though, and he had that. He had his mission in the back of his head the entire time. I'm a definite yes for putting this on the list. How about you, Isaac? What do you think? I think it's a definite. Uh, yeah, I think it's a definite yes for, for the list. I think it was one of the more super dramatic points in the movie. Um, you know, despite what we were talking about um, earlier, I, I hope it, I do hope it's it's finite because if it wasn't, there'd be no point. But um, I just wanna I, I just wanna say for the record, um, yo, super props to Zoya Saldana for um, portraying tragedy well. And I think what she does is not only she not only portrays uh, Gamora's tragedy rather well. I think she also highlights um, and, and something that was super good in the writing too with this scene was the fact that they highlighted Gamora's trauma with him and the way that it all came together for her. I think it was it was amazing because you saw how truly how truly, like, she was, she thought she knew Thanos. She was pretty sure she knew him so very well that this was not going to happen, that she would be able to laugh at him and spit in his face and say, I won, you lost, and it was always going to be this way because you can't love anything, not even me. And then to her surprise, whoa, totally not true. She didn't even, it's almost as if she barely knew Thanos at all by the time he grabbed her wrist. All the life faded from her eyes right then because whatever trust she had that Thanos would spare her in that moment was completely obliterated. Love it. Love it. Every bit of it. Definite yes on the list. Absolutely, man. And to your point, I mean, it. her with that tragedy, man, as soon as he grabbed her, it was like, a look of surprise, like, and then a, a freak out. I mean, like you said, she had trust that he would not do it. I mean, she figured, well, you don't actually love me, so I'm good. 
And Red Skull was just like, nah, you done. <laughs> Those kids are not for him. <laughs> you, you, you uh, out now. <laughs> so, yeah, cause, and, and even, I'll be honest, even when I was, like, watching it, and he was, like, crying, and she's just like, you never loved anyone. You lost. Uh, I was just, I, I felt bad. I was like, well, uh, you thought you won, Gamora, but you're done. Like, that's it. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, I mean, I hate to say this, but, I mean, let's hope that that death remains permanent for the sake of the weight on this movie. I mean, that was the biggest death of this movie, I would say, arguably. I mean, let's be honest here. The people who who disappeared at the end are going to come back. We're going to have another Spider-Man movie. We're going to have another Black Panther. They're coming back. But if Gamora does not come back, that leaves the stakes. So let's we'll see what they do with the next movie on that one. But that was probably the most important death. Um, just to kind of back up a little bit and summarize our list so far, we had Thanos destroys Asgard at number 10, Thor meets the Guardians of the Galaxy at number 9, Bruce Banner and the Hulk banter in New York at number 8, Thor creates Stormbreaker at number 7, the Battle of New York, the entire sequence, uh, number 6, and Thanos sacrificed Gamora at number 5. Isaac, I'm going to kick it to you for number 4. All right. Um, so number four is, is, is really hard because I, <laughs> but if I had to pick number four, I think um, it's Strange versus Thanos, man. When Strange uh, when, and Thanos and everyone company were on Titan and Strange finally just like walked in and he's like, okay, you know what? Ridiculous. This is all ridiculous. I'm done with you. I'm done with all of you. Let's go. And he is just, he, he comes out with the big gun. He throws the damn mirror dimension at Thanos. And Thanos looks at it and says, oh, <laughs> that's, that's super cute. That's a mirror dimension. He hurls it up into a ball and throws it back at Strange. And all the clones and the whips and the swords. And I was just mesmerized by the effects. It was just as good as the actual Doctor Strange movie, which I thought was pretty lacking, but that's a whole other wormhole we're not jumping into right now. Um, but yeah, Strange versus Thanos on Titan, super definite number four. That's what I'm pitching. Um, are you just talking specifically Strange and Thanos, or like the whole scene on Titan, like no. the whole battle, all of them? Uh, no, just 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 Strange and Thanos. That's what taught me most out of the whole scene. It was just him and them. Yeah, him and him. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I did love, I mean, to, to your point, just everything, like Strange making all those clones and all of them using the whip to try to pull the gauntlet off and him just easily deflecting the universe and kind of besting Strange, who was a Sorcerer Supreme, um, at what he does. Only reason... I'm going to say no is because I would want to put the whole scene of all of them on Titan there. Simple fact of um, when Tony was almost willing to make a sacrifice to fight. And as Thanos uh, quoted, all that for a drop of blood. So I think I got to go no on this one simply because I want to put the whole scene on there. I'm going to kick it to you, Jamal. I totally got that. What are your thoughts? I'm going to say yes. 
as someone who thought this movie would end without seeing Doctor Strange be Doctor Strange, <clears throat> as far as like not just uh, in there because he had the the uh, the time gem, like I wanted more to his story than just like oh well he had to be in this movie because he had one of the Infinity Stones. So I'm like Doctor Strange in the comics for people who are casual like moviegoers that don't really know Doctor Strange in the comics is really, really OP. Um, well, I'll say <laughs> really there, there's OP. instances where he's really OP. Um, and, you know, we're never going to get that in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the movies, but I at least want to know he's improved since the last time we saw him. Because if you think about it, everyone, excuse me, outside of Spider-Man and Black Panther have been in – well, no, no, I won't even mention him. Everyone accepts for Doctor Strange, unless you want to count his cameo in Thor Ragnarok, have been in numerous movies, have been in at least more than one movie. So we've, got, we've gotten to see Peter grow from um, Civil War to Homecoming. We got to see T'Challa grow from Civil War to his solo. Um, so we saw different phases of those characters. We've only seen Doctor Strange once. And to me, I haven't, you know, I wanted to see, like, has he done anything or learned anything new since last time we saw him? And then that battle happened. And I was just like, first of all, I thought I was about to call a copyright. Cause I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. did Dr. Strange just pull a Naruto? Like, why is there like 30 of them? And I was like, okay, hold on. He does do that in the comics. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, but that was pretty dope. Him being able to use the, uh, the, the whip that he had was pretty dope. And then the idea of, um, he saw all those different scenarios, and he knew that the only outcome to win was to let Thanos have the stone. Uh, that, to me, was very, very crucial. And how, to him, he valued, uh, at the end of the day, you know, he was talking all that, that tough talk back on the ship, but when it came down to protecting the stone or letting Tony die, um, although I do believe he did have ulterior motives for keeping Stark alive because it was part of the plan, he just couldn't do it. He couldn't sit there and watch someone die knowing that he could help, um, even if it meant putting the world um, in extreme danger. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you, Isaac. That is a huge scene, uh, and it's just mainly because I, everyone else had those, those huge moments in the movie. Like, I feel like everyone had a moment, and the only person who didn't was Doctor Strange. He spent most of it yelling at Stark or being a puppet for Ebony Maw, um, with the with the little needle thing sticking in him. So it was just really cool to see mm-hmm. Doctor Strange be that great character that we know from the comics. So, yeah, I, I would definitely vote this scene in. I, I enjoyed it, and it gave me a side mm-hmm. of Strange that I was hoping we'd see. Right on. I mean, speaking of Strange from the comics, like, he has done some serious, serious damage. I mean, this is a guy who can flick his fingers just a couple times and make Galactus stop in his tracks and start screaming. Like, this guy so powerful. And it, they, they definitely dimmed him down in the movie, and I get that because he was just starting out. But there is some progression that's seen through here. Gerald, what are your thoughts? Oh, hold on. Gerald? Let's... Hello? Yeah, Gerald. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, definitely deserves to be on a list for the simple fact. Like, you, like the only problem I had with the scene 
was exactly what Sato said, like the most powerful element you had and you didn't even use it, which is time stone. But they showed, I guess what they was going for, like instead of, you know, Dr. Strange relying on the time stone, he relied on his, you know, mystic art. And they showed some of the best elements of Dr. Strange, you know, in, in that scene against Thanos. So just to see him turn into like, I want to say like a multi-man, you know, Dr. Strange and to, to perform these, you know, these, these just magic arts and, you know, using like one hand to teleport Star-Lord and then another hand to, you know, use like as a whip or a sword. And you saw him use that, um, the teleportation on Spider-Man and Spider-Man was yelling like space kick, space, space uppercut. So like, it was just, that, that that scene was like actually really dope, so it definitely deserves a spot on the list. All right, well, yeah, I mean it is a good scene. I just personally myself thought, I mean, the whole scene itself, like including including Iron Man um, and, and everybody's involvement, deserved a spot. But that could definitely get a spot later on this list. So number four, we're going with uh, Strange versus Thanos. And like you guys were saying, great character development of Doctor Strange in this movie. Uh, I don't, I, like, to be honest with you, so forgettable, his, his little cameo in Thor Ragnarok. I thought he was going to have, like, a heavier role since they teased it at the end of his movie. But Same. I thought it was, it was just kind of so minuscule that you could barely even count it um, as development. Yeah. It's just like a, a pop-in, pop-out type of situation. Mm-hmm. I didn't... I wanted to mention it because I know someone that that listens to this is going to go, oh, well, he was also in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, just (laughs) talking. Like, that that doesn't show development. Like, I I don't see anything different because you're just talking. Like, the only thing I think that was drastically different from that scene in the end of Doctor Strange and that scene in Thor Ragnarok was uh, his gloves. His gloves changed. That was it. (laughs) So if you want to call that development, yeah, I, I guess he developed. Sure. Yeah, I mean, one minor detail, I guess that does count. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and go next for number three. I'm going to put Captain America uh, when he saved Vision and Scarlet Witch. That one, that was just awesome. Um, I think I, I could tell it was a bit of a lead up as soon as uh, Scarlet Witch had been shot down by uh, who was who was that Black Order member, Jawan? Uh, uh, which one? Excuse me. Yeah, Proxima Midnight. Proxima yeah. Midnight. Um, yeah, she shot her down, and they crashed into that warehouse. I was ready. I was, my bones are ready. I was like, Captain America is coming. I know he's going to fix everything up. And then he just, like, swoops in, catches the spear, easily does damage. Like, Captain America is a human. <laughs> I mean, he's not in any way, shape, or form, doesn't really have a superpower. So... But this dude is going toe for toe against two of Thanos's Black Order with with his, with a couple more people, like and they just that whole action sequence and how the Russo brothers do Captain America perfectly. I loved every part of that, so I'm gonna go ahead and put that at number three. Um, I'm gonna go to you first, Jawan, for your thoughts on that. Um, well, let me just start by saying I agree with you. Uh, that was a dope scene. Uh, some of my dislikes of it is one. I just want to let everyone know who goes um, – Cap is, like, just human or whatever. Believe it or not, um, he is somewhat OP in the comics, uh, but nowhere near 
like they've made him OP in the movies. The guy stopped the helicopter with one hand. Like that, that <laughs> that's like Superman OP. Like they, they made him ridiculous in these movies. Um, but in the comics, he, you know, he's, he's not just a guy that needs a shield. I mean, we have to remember the serum gave him super strength. Um, and I don't mean super strength like he could punch like Superman can, but I mean, Captain America is no slouch. Like, <laughs> you run up on Cap, you, you know, you, you might lose your life. So, uh, he definitely has, he definitely has, uh, some strength added to him. So he's not just a guy. Um, but yeah, the only thing I hated about that scene, Leo, was, I felt like even casual fans knew something was coming. Like Scarlet Witch kept looking behind her. Like I would have, I would have preferred if, <clears throat> excuse me, like they didn't show the lead up and you just see Proxima Midnight throw the spear. Scarlet Witch, you know, kind of like just, just so happens to dodge it, and you hear it, you hear like the sound of someone catching it in the background, and the camera pans and then he steps out of the shadow, like. To me, it, it set it up like it was to where it was like super obvious, and you saw that shot in the trailer. So I mean, it didn't take a genius to put two and two together and say this is probably the scene where Cat comes out. I just would have preferred if they had spaced it out to where it wasn't so obvious. Like when Spider-Man caught the hammer and then popped out, like no one saw that coming. That was that was hilarious. Like that was that was dope. I would have preferred it if the buildup was just like a lot more, so it wasn't just so obvious that like all right, Cat's about to come. Like, I just wanted to be a little bit more surprised in that scene, uh, and I thought they could have done a better better job setting it up. But yeah, man, Metal Gear Solid, aka Snake, aka Captain America, came out. The theater was just going bananas. It was just like, oh man, like Cap's here, it's about to go down, and I was just sitting there like, no, it's not. Like <laughs> he's facing the Black Order, they're definitely about to whoop him, and I was like, oh man, man, they made Cap so OP, man. That that's crazy. Um. Excuse me, but uh, because what people forget is the Black Order are the galactic, uh, galactically known um, assassins. So, I mean, these are people that go, you know, planet to planet killing for Thanos. So when you're telling me a guy who throws a shield, even though I did say, he, you know, he's stronger than the average person, um, is taking out the Black Order, I'm just like, oh, God, you guys are watering down the Black Order? Come on. Um, but yeah, the, the scene definitely deserves a spot on this list. It was dope. It was great to see Scarlet Witch, uh, not Scarlet Witch, I'm sorry, uh, Black Widow with the blonde hair, Falcon with a beard, or kind of beard, I don't know what that was, but uh, it was definitely fun to see the, the team back together again, because the last time we saw them was Civil War. Yeah, it was like a dynamic return. It was great to see them come back. Um yeah, I mean, I didn't. I hope I didn't sound like I was trying to paint Cap up to be average. Oh no, 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 uh, no, not you, not you. I just know. I know a lot of people that listen. Um, that kind of was saying that this. They were kind of saying like after the movie when I was talking to them, they were just like, "I don't get it. He's just a normal person. How is like how is he? How is he running no. so fast? How is he doing this?" And I was just like, "No, he's not Batman. Like even though I think Batman is the greatest hero ever ever created." Um, he's not Batman. Like he does have super strength, so he's not just like yeah, a, a regular and, slouch. Like Cap can get the job done. Don't sleep on Cap. And Cap, like some people, a lot of people miss on is he's got an advanced healing factor too. I mean, he doesn't have it to the point of, of Wolverine or Deadpool, but right. he's got a much faster healing time. Than he's got it. He's got healer. it at the same. I think he has that the same clip as Spider-Man. Like, people don't – people. that's another thing people don't know about Spider-Man. I believe he can heal, correct me if I'm wrong, Leo. 
Yeah, he can. Um, he yeah. heals faster than the normal human, like way, way right. faster. So like a gunshot wound, something that would take someone, you know, a long time to heal. It, it takes maybe minutes for Spider-Man. Right. So it's, I, I would, I would, I would say Cap's about that level. Maybe, maybe not even that high. Well, I think he got grazed in uh, the first Avenger and just kind of shook it off. So, yeah, probably about up to that level. But I'm yeah, as far as the bit. movies, as far as the yeah. movies, yeah, yeah, as far as the movies go, um, I I thought it would have been cool if Cap for that last scene got his shield back and Thanos like destroyed it and he delivered that awesome speech. Um, yeah, but, can can I say something really quick? Before, before you pass yeah. it, uh, really quickly. What I didn't understand is, remember when he went to go visit Rhodey? Like, he went to the Avengers uh, headquarters? I, yeah. What I didn't understand was, Vision, you know, they, they were telling uh, Rhodey and Bruce about, you know, Thanos, oh, well, not Bruce, Bruce already knew. They were kind of talking about Thanos' army and, you know, how it, he, he's coming. How did Rhodey not think it'd be smart to go, oh, I know where Stark keeps your shield. Here's your shield. Like, you were about to really let Cap go into the field with nothing, Rhodey, and you have that dope iron, you know, that, that dope war machine uh, outfit, and you're just going to let Cap run out there with, with what? His bare hands? <laughs> I, I didn't understand. That's one thing, like, I really hope when someone interviews the Russo brothers, like, they ask them that. Like, how did Rhodey not think it'd be smart to give to give uh, Cap his shield back? Or something comparable. <laughs> just something. I mean, what T'Challa gave him wasn't a shield, like, when you say get this man a shield, he had like claws. What was, I didn't even understand yeah. that. <laughs> like what his weapon could do. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I just Good wanted point. to state that. I thought it was really weird that Rhodey didn't say, you know what? I know where Stark kept your shield. Let me go get it for you. I thought that was weird. Unless, unless the government has uh, capped shields. If the government has it, then I get it. But if they don't, then that kind of didn't make sense to me. And that would be the only possible, like, explanation is that it's government comp- compensated. But, I mean, to your point, they even, he could have even got him something. I mean, Banner got a full Hulkbuster costume. Like, yeah. It, I mean, it's weird that they wouldn't set Cap up with, like, not anything. But I guess it was just to give him those weird claw shields in the end. <laughs> Trying to make him look cool. I don't know. I, I don't know what was up with that. Um, yeah, that was. But I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna kick it to you, Isaac. Uh, does that deserve a spot on this list? Captain America saving them at the train station. Oh man, I've actually had <laughs> I've had legitimate fights about this. No, I don't actually. I don't at all. Um, I was incredibly underwhelmed with that scene in particular. Um, there's a lot of things. I'm a dumb critic. I hate being a critic. It's not fun. Um, and because I notice stupid things all the time, I, I blame CinemaSins for it. Uh, but <laughs> what, what bothered me was, was definitely touch on, touching on what Juwan said before, was Cap's entrance. Um, the fact that Scarlet Witch was noticeably glancing behind her consistently, it was like we knew something was coming. But what really got me was the fact that they weren't super – they weren't as slick – with the Captain America reveal, as they thought they were, I felt like his entrance just was like, hi, it's me, Cap. And then he just <laughs> comes through, and when he, when he pops out, it's okay. 
But when Black Widow pops out, I'm actually more interested because I think she whooped more ass than he did. Um, and I thought that the fighting, like the fighting was great. The teamwork dynamic was, was really cool. The way that Cap and Black Widow bounced off of each other for moves, um, for weapon throwing and for, for usage of that kind of reminded me of the, um, it reminded me of the free flow uh, battle tactic from the Batman Arkham series. Anyone ever play that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it reminds me of it reminded me kind of of that. Um, but I don't know. I was way more focused on on Black Widow than I was with Cap. I thought her move set was a bit more flashy, a bit more um, complex than his. Uh, Cap's move set seems to be a lot of Running, dodging, throwing, punching, kick here and there. A lot of jumping. But Black Widow was more into an acrobatic stage, and I was more focused on her so much so. But overall, I wasn't super interested in the fight. Um, it just didn't click with me. So that's, I don't, that's know, my two cents on the fight. I don't blame you at all. I mean, it really bothered me that a guy like Corvus Glaive um, is on the ground talking about I can't get up after fighting yeah. three three Earth based heroes. I was just like, wait, what? 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 You're afraid to get and up? And they weren't And you know what? You know what I thought was. You know what I thought was the funniest. A lot of people don't know this because a lot of people don't care about the uh, the Black Order. Do you guys know the only mm-hmm. way Corvus Glaive uh, can die? No. No. The only way he can die is for you to disintegrate his staff. He lives as long as that staff is still intact. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. He got yeah. Mad. So picture, picture me, picture me as a fan of that. I'm watching this and I'm like, wait, you're afraid of guns and three Earth-based heroes? None of them can. And then Scar, uh, Black Widow's like, we don't want to kill you, but we will. And I'm like, no, you can't. What? Who's writing this? Like, what are you doing for my Black Order? So I mean, they they obviously stop, the Black man. Order, the Black Order was meant to just be the henchmen, which I get. I, I'm fine with that. But there's just certain things that just rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, the only way Corvus Glaive can die is for you to disintegrate the staff. He like there was a scene, uh, not a scene, but there was a part in the comics where someone blew his body up, and the staff was still there. He regenerated. So I mean, it was just like I, I'm, I'm watching this. And he's like, I can't get up. And I'm like, no, but you can. The Russo brothers just don't like you. And I don't know why, but they wrote you poorly. But you can get up, and you can kill everybody there. So, you know, it was just really frustrating as a fan of the Black Order to watch that. Because I'm just like, ugh, you're doing them so wrong. But whatever. I'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to your point, Isaac, uh, of the of, of um, the move sets, it has a lot to do with kind of background, right? I mean, Cap comes from 1940s America, where fisticuffs was the, the choice of, of fighting. So he's used yeah, to more kind of basic combat like that, whereas someone like uh, God, almost her name is the actress's name is Black Scarlett Witch. Johansson. So I always want to call her Scarlett Witch. Yes, Black Widow. <laughs> Uh, she has a more complicated uh, skill set because she comes from, you know, Russian spy training and a much different background than Cap does. But um, 
Yeah, keep forgetting Cap is a hundred years old. What's that? Yeah, Cap is. Cap's old man. He's old man. Him and Bucky. Keep forgetting that. Kane, dog. <laughs> um, yeah. But to your point, I can see why it's the underwhelming, but I just every time Cap comes up in a Russo Bros movie, I'm just I'm like Cap. Cap is here because I know they do Cap so well. <laughs> and and then I think I felt how you felt after that scene. Like I think it was like that was the peak. For for Cap, that was the peak of him at the movie. Like that that scene was like Cap's best scene. And then after that, it just I'm, I'm kind of like, oh come on, Cap! Like I want some more lines, man. Like I want some more some more action from you. Maybe you'll don't, maybe don't they'll kind of go back to that in the fourth. Don't get me wrong. I was like when when it was ho- when it was happening, I was I was into it. Like I was I was I was noticeably being obnoxious in the theater because I was throwing like air punches, and I was like, go, 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 and then I was like, and we're done. <laughs> yeah, that, like I said, that, that was me. I mean, it's just like, that's why I got to put this one on here, because this was Cap's best scene. Like, it, it just, it was like, yeah, Cap came in, and he was enough for the Black Order. Like, I guess I didn't think about it in the sense of, like, being depowered, so that's that's a good point, but I was just kind of like, Dang, they come back and they're like good enough to smoke the Black Order. All right, they're like serious enough to to at least stand up to Thanos' henchmen. And he tried his damnest yeah. to stand up to Thanos at the end. <laughs> that wasn't going to work, but he tried. Um, yeah, it goes to show you how OP the Russo brothers like to make cats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> helicopter pulls at. Uh, <laughs> like metal arm. Stopping Thanos. I mean, it was just like, yeah, that'd be like, that'd be like if you had Doomsday show up in like the next Justice League, and he goes to like smash Superman, and you look and Batman's holding his hand, you'd be like, all right, right. listen, <laughs> listen, let's let's relax here. Like we all love Batman, but I don't think he could do that. Oh, chill out. Let's chill out here. This ain't Frank Miller's. This ain't Frank Miller's Return of the Dark Knight. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> and not to mention, I mean, like, Bucky was clobbering him with that metal arm, and he was still good. Um, he was eating like, it. I think yeah, that's he where was it started. <laughs> yeah, he was just killing. And he threw his, his shield straight at him, and Cap just kind of ate it. Like, he just kind of sat there. Um, and, and the shield is, like, sliced through things. You, you're right. They made him OP. But I do like that he was enough to at least you know, scrap up the Black Order a little bit, get them saved, get them safe like Cap does, and then just kind of kick back the rest of the movie. He's like, I've had three good movies. It's time for me to sit back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to kick it to you, though, Gerald. What are your thoughts? Does this belong on the list? I'm going to think I'm going to have to agree with Isaac and say no for the simple fact. It was a great scene, but the scene that showed – who Captain America really was strength-wise is when he went toe-to-toe with Thanos and Thanos went to grab him and Cap used every ounce of his might to stop Thanos yeah. like, from grabbing him. And just that one scene where Thanos is like trying to get to him and Cap is like, nah, you're not, you're not winning this fight. And Thanos' face is like, you know, he's kind of just looking at him like, you're a mere mortal. How are you defying my strength right now? And then he just cracks, you know, Captain America with that, just that left 
hook across the face. And even, like, after being on the ground for, like, a minute or two, Cap just got up like he didn't even get hit, just with, like, a smudge of blood on his face. So that that team should be on the list. Just Captain America giving everything. That's what Captain America is about. He will give everything to save the people of Earth and to save his team. So to sit there and just defy Daniel's strength, even with five infinity, you know, stones, he's going up against a mad titan with an affinity gauntlet. And just to see Thanos face like, how is this possible? And then, you know, eventually he knocks out Captain America just for like a minute or two. But that one scene with just the hand and, you know, Cap just screaming like, like, you know, you're not getting the vision. That, that was just like, you know, a dope scene. So I believe that scene should be on the list. All right. Um, since it is two, two and two, are you put, uh, pitching that up to go on instead of the Black Order rescue? Yeah. Daryl. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, jeez, man. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first, Juwan. What are your thoughts? Does that does that take the Black Order? Um. Well. I don't know, because it's, it's like a lose-lose for me. That's a misrepresentation of the Black Order, and that's a definite misrepresentation of Captain America. He is not, he is not supposed to be that OP. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I am going to be completely honest with you. That ending um, before Thor, like, throws the, uh, the hammer into Thanos did nothing for me, because I saw all of it coming. Once once um, uh, Thanos got the time stone from uh, Doctor Strange, I was just like, all right, so even if you pull the, the stone out of Vision's head and destroy it, he's definitely just going to reverse time and, and go back and get it. So it was just one of those waiting games where it's like, all right, I just have to wait till I see it. So that, I, I'm sorry, but that just did nothing for me in the moment. Um, and then, <laughs> Gerald, I, as I was listening to what you were saying, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I think you're – you're underest—not I don't want to say underestimating, but you're undervaluing how hard Thanos punched Cap in the face. Um, I'm pretty sure um, everybody in Cap's in Cap's lineage felt that. Like that was like when, when you think about how how it sounded in the theater, he really cold like cold cocked him. I mean, he hit him so hard, Cap got up. <laughs> Cap did the one thing that everyone does when they get knocked out. They wake up and they're like. Oh. What happened? Everyone's all right. Everyone's good. What happened? It's like, yeah, we're fine. You got knocked out. It's like, we're good. <laughs> Are you okay? Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, to me, if I had to choose a better cap moment, to me, a more believable but less believable is the Blackwater rescue um, than that, that final battle. Because it was just like, it was, I could see it coming, and I was really hoping we could maybe get a scene of Doctor Strange teleporting everyone to Wakanda for us to have all the Avengers and the Guardians take on Thanos for a final battle. Um, so that ending, except for when Thanos shows up to throw the, the hammer through Thanos, um, was a little underwhelming to me. It, it, it did, really didn't do much for me. Um, it wasn't until Thor showed up that I was just like, all right, yeah, now it's about to go down. Um, so you know what, Leo? I'm sticking with you, man. I, I really hope you don't change your mind and go against me. Um, but I'm sticking with your pick, and I'm sticking with the Black Order Rescue. Right on. Isaac, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, Black Order Rescue or 
um, the final cap scene. Y'all don't hate me. I am so difficult. Um, I don't agree with that either. Um, I don't agree with either one, really. Um, so, just for um, just for reference, though, um, about about cap getting knocked out. Um, everywhere on the internet, my favorite meme, my favorite Infinity War meme, is the Fanbo memes, where Thanos is portrayed as Debo from Friday. And when I saw that. I heard all I could hear was Debo say, "Put that down and get knocked out like your daddy used to." That was what I. <laughs> oh, I saw that, and that's my favorite strain of meme is is the Thanos being Debo because it's perfect. Uh, so that's what that thing reminds me of. Um, no, I think um the reason I'm like this is because all around in the whole film, I think Captain America was uh, grossly underutilized and step to the sidelines. I understand that the Russo brothers have said that him and Black Widow and Falcon and them, they're going to have a much bigger character arc in Avengers 4. Um, but even with that information, I'm still really disappointed. I think when he, when he went to toe-to-toe with Thanos, it wasn't, they shouldn't have showcased the strength. What they should have done is I think they should have had him uh, talk to Thanos and Thanos' philosophy would have solidified and would have merged with Caps, or not merged with Caps. The Cap would have Thanos with the opposing thing, and that would also bring it, tie it back into Civil War, because that was, I think that would tie in nicely. I'm not sure how to do it, but I think it would still tie in nicely. Um, so comparatively, I would probably say the, um, the Black Order rescue scene um, if I had, to, if I was going to pick between the two, but either way, I think Cap was just grossly underutilized, and I'm, 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 ex- I'm hoping for more. Yeah, I hear you. Like I was hoping for a little dialogue to where Cap could say like his quote, you know, I can do this all day. Like I was kind of hoping for something like that along the lines of, um, like Thanos just. Maybe giving him like a little, like a little glare, and him just being like, "I can, you know, I can do this all day," like he does in uh, most of his movies. It would have been a cool way before he got knocked the ass out to just go yeah. out. Um, I agree. Uh, kind of extremely, and I wasn't trust me, Jawan. When you're talking, I'm like, definitely think the Black Order rescue is better still, um, just because, like, it was so underwhelming. Um, I don't know. I thought that scene could have just used a little bit more. And it was just kind of like, oh, he just kind of, like, Cap tried his best. And I agree with you, Gerald. Like, it did show that Captain America is there until the end. Like, Cap is going to put his life on the line to stop Thanos and put his all and everything into it. But back to your point, Cap is always like that. Um, He's always willing to risk his life for the best, and I, I guess I just wanted more. Like, I want, like, Isaac, you said it perfectly. A little bit of dialogue would have really helped that scene out, um, and maybe just, like, Thanos even stating, well, I'm not, at, you know, like, I'm not at full power, so it's just clobbering him. Uh, I, I just, I was a little underwhelmed by it, so I'm, I'm still standing by my original, and it looks like that's the one that's going to go on the list. Unfortunately, Gerald. 
But that's all don't good. worry, guys. We'll be I able mean, it was a great we'll scene. I'm not going to deny that. It was a yeah, great scene, yeah. so. Yeah, Cap is just a great character. It's just, he's a scene stiller for sure. He wasn't in this film, but, whew, I mean, <laughs> Civil War was almost like an Avengers movie. Almost. But he, he kept it a cat movie because he just stole everything. But I'm going to go to you, Jawan, for number two. Poof, number two. Poof, 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 poof. All right, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the ending to where we see everyone disappear. Um, that that it, it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. I mean, in in the moment, you know, you know, of course we know all these people are going to come back, but you know how bold it was for Marvel to have Black Panther be one of the highest grossing superhero films or films period of all time and then have him die. Like a few months later, you know how many people in, I went to see this movie four different times. Do you know how many people each time were just like, oh, hell no. Like all the black people just said, oh, hell no. Y'all going to take away Black Panther? I was just like, relax. He's coming back. And they were just like, oh, okay. All right. I was sure. It's like, all right, relax, relax. Um, It was just a lot of fun to see that. And, you know, because of how it happened, I thought they were going to take a Koye. Um, and then I was just like, wait, 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 he's disappearing? I was like, whoa, 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 all right, this is crazy. And, you know, Bucky was the first one to go. Then you see, uh, by the way, can I just say, as much as I love Drax in this movie, what an ugly way to die. His death his, his was just so ugly. <laughs> not, not him saying Quill's name, just the face, and the, the face he made. It was just, like, so ugly. I was like, oh, can we hurry up and make him disappear faster? That's so ugly. Um, oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. It was so hard to watch. Like, I wish I had you guys on, on screen here. Like, we were doing it through Zoom so I could, like, mimic the face at it. It was so ugly. I was like, oh, man, can oh you snap faster? Like, get this guy going. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we all know the highlight of um, – I'm going to say this. Everyone thought Peter's was one of the most emotional deaths of that, uh, of the disappearing of, of all the heroes, I personally felt Strange's death more. And it was because Strange had saw himself die wow. over a million different times. And there was nothing he could do to stop it. And that, to me, million. got to me, because I'm like, 14 million, I'm sorry, um, 14 million times. And that got to me, because I'm like, picture that. Picture knowing it's coming. And there's just nothing you can do about it. Um, and, and the last sentiment he gave to Stark and told him this was the only way, the only way. And I loved it because Dr. Strange not once told everybody how they were able to save the day. He is, he is not told. No one knows. No one knows what he saw, only him. And he died with it. And I thought that was just powerful. Of course, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man one made me cry every time I saw it. Um, it was just so emotional, so raw. Tom Holland, he he uh he did that on his own, um, which to me I believe because I think the guy is just super talented. Um, and the reason why it made me cry because a lot of people go, "Oh, why are you crying?" If you remember in Homecoming when Stark tells him, "And what would happen if you had died tonight?" I kind of feel like that'd be on me. And the reason why that that resounded so well is because. That's Stark's biggest fear. When when Peter dropped down on the ship, 
start, you know, is like, didn't I tell you to go home? You're supposed to stay out of this. You're supposed to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. You're supposed to stay low. Um, and then to have the kid die in your arms was, uh, was definitely something that we know is going to have, like, a lasting effect on Stark. Um, because we saw what happened when he thought he was responsible for the world possibly being uh, taken over. Uh, how personally he took that, creating Ultron, creating Vision. Um, so, you know, only, who knows what he'll try to do in Avengers 4 to restore things. So to me, that whole scene of seeing all of our favorite heroes and our newcomers disappear definitely got me, and I think definitely deserves a spot, even at number two, for one of the best scenes of Infinity War. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, when you think of the best scenes, that that's a topper. Um, I was, man, heartbroken. Heartbroken when it got to Spider-Man. As soon as he was like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good, I was, the, the tears were out. That was it. I was crying. I was so sad. Cause, I mean, geez, in Gauntlet, I mean, Spider-Man is the one that sees everybody disappearing. So I thought there was a chance that it was going to be just Stark and Spider-Man uh, at the last two. But to see him, to for them to give him enough time just to have that amazing dialogue at the end there, just it, it, it broke my heart. Um, dang, geez, with the heat, though, is on tracks? Like, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I just thought he had a dumb, like, ending line. Like, everybody else was kind of like, you know, what's happening? Like, what's going on? I mean, I even thought, mm. like, it was, like, T'Challa's was pretty, like, out of the blue because, like, you, Juwan, I thought it was going to be Okoye because he came up and he's like, this is no place to die. And then he faced. Um, so that yeah. was, like, kind of a shock to me. Like, oh, whoa. Uh, didn't think they were going to kill him off. I was like, my king, no. Uh, so I was definitely uh, shook. I was shook up at just about every every disappearance, to be honest with you. But just Drax's last lie, really, like, Quill, it just disappears. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I just maybe, I, I thought maybe you'd have a more complicated, like, oh, I, I didn't get to rescue my family or, like, some kind of, something like that. But he just, so he's just like, Quill, what's going on? See ya. Um I thought, and, and what was, I think the best part of that scene was probably 1A, 1B. Um, Thanos looking over the, the uh, sunrise and Cap just saying, oh, God, and that being the very last line before the post credit, Like, that, it, it just, <laughs> that's how all of us felt after the movie. It's like, oh, God, that just happened. Um, so that definitely deserves a spot on the list, in my opinion. I'm going to kick it to you, Isaac. What you think, man? I think uh, it definitely deserves a spot on the list. Incredibly heart-wrenching, very, very, uh, almost very, almost traumatic. Um, I don't think Spider-Man's was the saddest. Um, after reading uh, what James Gunn had to say, I am in tears uh, because of Groot. I'm not sure if anyone's read this, uh, but if you yeah. have. Um, yeah, yeah. He, so for those who, who, who haven't read the article, um, James Gunn confirmed that when Groot says, I am Groot, at the end of his death, he was calling Rocket Dad. And when I learned that, I'm sorry, I'm getting all emotional about it right now because it's like, it was so sad. I can't even begin to express the fact that Groot 
was a whole it's, because that's not the same group. It's a teenage group. It's it's something. It, 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 it's it's a group son. It's not the same one we learned we we saw in Guardians One. It's a whole new organism with his own memories and all of his memories. A rocket being daddy, and I just like can't even begin <laughs> to not cry about it. But overall, yeah, this the scene was just incredibly heart wrenching. I didn't, I saw it coming, but I didn't. Um, it was great that we saw the weight of a universal wide genocide happen, and Cap, the only thing Cap can say is, "Oh God." There's nothing else to say. And I thought that was perfect. So, hell yeah. The nerves to be on the list. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, when he confirmed that I, that, I felt that weight myself. I was just like, geez, like, that's like a dad losing a son. And, like, he painted that pretty well throughout the film when he was Ooh. like, Drew, put that game down. Put it down. It's going to rock your yeah. brain. Like, Rocket was I'll definitely acting like did. Groot's dad at that point. Like <laughs> I am Groot. Uh, language, like it. It's like, oh, right. I mean, it's like a new group. It, it was like they were just partners before, but now it's like Rocket re-raised him, so he is his dad pretty much at this point. Um, well, just that, that's a very Groot at all. No, no, definitely not. Um, and it's it's very awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, there are so many like. There's so many iterations of Groot in the comics. It's crazy. Uh, so it's cool to see him kind of come back and be his own in this next one. Um, I'm going to kick it to you, though, Gerald. What are your thoughts? Does it belong on the list at number two? It belongs on the list, but not at number two. That that whole, you know, everybody's disintegrating, even from Earth's standpoint. And then when they was at Titan, you see, like, the Guardians start to disappear in Spider-Man with Dr. Strange, that should be number one. Number two, in my opinion, should be the entire Wakanda, you know, fight scene with Thor coming down and in the beginning and the end of that, you know, that fight scene when they they actually went and you see Thor, like, you know, blasting the remaining ship. And then then I guess, like, maybe a couple of minutes right after that, say, like, maybe about ten minutes after that, that's when you get that, everybody started to disintegrate. So I think that scene, yes, it belongs on the list, but it should be our number one. Uh, I was going to say, actually, that Thor scene, to me, was, like, number one. One um, was a hard two for me because of the weight it had, and it also surprised me some of the characters they chose. I didn't know who was going to go. So I, it was just kind of a nice, it was a nice element of surprise because as soon as he snapped, I was like, well, there goes a chunk of the characters, but you just have no idea who's going to go because, as, as they've described it before, the Russo brothers, they're telling the story of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not the comics. So we don't right. know who's going to die. Um, so it was just kind of like like the de- – I was just kind of scared for everyone at that point because it's like as soon as Bucky was gone, I was like, oh, no. Oh, boy. Like, it's coming for, for – and I don't know who. So I think just the even just the adrenaline alone just hit me so hard that I gotta put it high on the list personally. Um, since it is three on one, we are gonna have to put it on the list, but we can come back and ar- try to argue and replace some later. 
Um, but I'm going to kick it to you for number one, Isaac. Give us number one. Isaac? Isaac? Oh, sorry about that. My microphone was still silent. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So um, I'm actually going to touch on something that we, we just, that was touched on very briefly. And I'm actually going to put it in its own category. So we talked about the deaths and the ending of Infinity War, and I know, I believe it was Juwan who touched on this side of it. I actually think the number one scene, um, because of the philosophical implications it has and for the, 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 the message it sends, um, is actually the very, it's very short, but it is Thanos doing exactly as he said he would. He sits back and watches the sun rise on a grateful universe. The reason I think that is number one is because I wanted to kind of delve into it. Me and uh, my eyesight is bad, so me and comics love each other, but we don't really get along reading-wise. So I didn't read the Infinity Gauntlet comic, um, comic series. I read it. Uh, I, I didn't read it, but I read the ending, and it was different because Thanos had lost, and he kind of, if I'm, if I'm correct, you guys can chime in if I'm wrong, but uh, he kind of got exiled to that farm planet. And he was like, oh, yeah, I got beat. It's fine. Yeah, this is fine. Um, And in this one, it's different. And I think it sends a real message because now Avengers 4 is going to have to ask a really uncomfortable question. What do you do when the bad guy wins? Because every Marvel movie I've seen, everyone is – the ending's hunky-dory. The villain is defeated. There's a couple of consequences, a few implications – but overall, I mean, whatever, everybody's safe. But this asks a really important question about what heroes have to do when the bad guy wins, when everything they've done. I think this is something that the Internet and everyone who watches movies has asked for. You get a movie where the, the protagonists are doing everything they can. They're putting out their maximum and full potential to beat this one threat, and it's not enough. And that's the reality. People die. Everyone gets hurt. And bad things happen to good people. And Thanos is happy. Admittedly, I think he's going to, I think there's some remorse there. I think that might tie in. I think he's going to regret Gamora's death pretty harshly. But overall, I think it's awesome because the MCU has its own, has had its formula that everyone complains about, everyone complains about for years. And the Russo brothers are like, yeah, we're getting rid of that. And we're going to really show you. It's more show, less tell. And I think that ending solidifies where Marvel and where they want their cinematic universe to be. I think it shows how much they've grown in storytelling and how much the fans want true realism that doesn't have to be straight, dark, um, you know, color-shaded grit. This was a battle of the universe where the bad guy won, and for another year or so, we, not, we as an audience can only accept it, just like everyone else on Earth. Wow. Um, yeah, that was a good scene, man, uh, for all the reasons you said. I mean, uh, it's, hard, it's almost hard for me to argue. Um, it, it's, wow. Uh, I'm almost speechless, man. <laughs> 
he got me coming. I had something to say, and then I just kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, um, I, just, I really, really loved that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. I mean, I before I was, before I had, uh, or excuse me, right after I had seen the premiere on, like, the Tuesday before it came out, I was just telling people, think the average MCU formula, like, at the Russo brothers basically took that, crumbled it up, and threw it in the trash. Like, it doesn't end like any other Marvel movie we've seen. It's, it's, there's consequences. There's consequences this time. There's weight. And, yeah, you say there's consequences in Civil War, that they ain't going to exile, whatever. They still won. The villain this time wins. And so you ask yourself at the beginning of Avengers 4, okay, what do we do? We lost. Like, after 18 movies, we've lost. So what do yep. we do? And it's just a big, ambiguous opening for the next movie. Um, would I put it at number one? I guess I probably wouldn't because I kind of looped it in with the disappearances, man. But, I mean, putting it, separating it, I could argue that it deserves a spot on this list, but maybe not at number one. I'm going to go to you, Jawan. What are your thoughts? I just wanted to start by saying um, loved everything you said, Isaac. Loved everything you said. Uh, and I agree. It does deserve a spot on this list. Definitely not at number one, um, but definitely top five. So whenever we get a chance, whether it's this week or next week, to rearrange, um, I'd love to, to make sure that that makes it on the list. Um, but I have heard a lot of people saying, uh, the sentiment that you said of, we've never seen a villain win. Um, and I'd like to kind of twist that a little bit. I think we have, I think we've seen a villain win twice. Um, and what I mean by winning, I don't mean like the villain is, is the last man standing. I mean, what the villain set out to do, he accomplished. Uh, and three, Mm. I'm sorry. Whether whether or not he lived through it, I think Killmonger won. His his oh, yeah. goal his goal was to get Wakanda to realize that there are more than just you out there that are suffering. They're dying because they don't have what you have. And what happened at the end? T'Challa decided to open up the <coughs> excuse me, open up the doors of Wakanda and help everybody, help the world. Um, that's one end. Second instance, even though it was not executed possibly the best way, the results still the same. Um, and that's Lex Luthor. Uh, his goal was to kill Superman. What did Doomsday do? Killed Superman. Albeit he came back, um, he did kill Superman. That was his ultimate goal, was to get rid of Superman. And he did it. Um, and last but not least, Joker. His goal was to show Gotham, was to show Batman, that even the best of us can, uh, with one bad day, can become the worst. And he showed that by how quickly the city was, was able to turn on Batman without even knowing the full story. Like, they had no idea that Batman risked everything to save them. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have no idea what Jim Gordon had to go through to save them. All that mattered was chaos. And that's all Joker wanted to establish. And let's not forget... After that event, there was no Batman for like three years. So, I mean, there have been instances, maybe not where the villain lived to see his victory, 
but we had we had long-standing effects of a victory. Um, but yeah, like I said, I love that scene. I, I loved it a lot. I, I really love how we saw the glove kind of melt because uh, we'd have to see, you know, what makes of that glove in, in the next film. Um, but like Leo was kind of saying, he kind of groups it in with the death, uh, with the deaths of the heroes. Only reason I don't put this at number one is because I think the Battle of Titans deserves the number one spot. You, we had on there the Strange versus Thanos battle, but that battle it, as a whole, the comedy, the action, the suspense, I think deserves number one because that was just like, man, that was that was pages from the comic books just floating onto the big screen. Uh, so if I had to pick anything for my number one, it would definitely be that. But I do mimic your sentiments as, as far as it definitely deserves a spot on this list, even top five. Fair enough. Fair enough. I also um, um, thank you for bringing up the one bad day thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Good, good point though. Uh, you're right, Jawan. The villain has one, mm-hmm. and I think that's what made Killmonger. No, I don't think I know. That's what made Killmonger such a great villain. He had such an understandable cause. Like it's just like he just wants them to use their resources to help other people. Now, he was taking it just a little bit too far. That's what made him a villain, yeah. but he had, <laughs> right. the, he had the perfect point. Yeah, that, he was going to take over them countries. Like, look, the slaves are about to destroy the, the masters, man. Like, we're about to take this place over and burn this world to the ground. But he he had a point, and he accomplished it. The Joker, same thing. I mean, you're right. This is the first one. I think... To that point, though, it might be the first where the villain is the last one standing, right? And they can kind of look and see, like, ah, well, I did accomplish, I accomplished what I wanted to here, and dust off their hands and say, I won. Uh, the other ones didn't get to do that, so it's just I think that's the weight behind it. But I still gotta, I still gotta um, say no, uh, Gerald. I'm gonna kick it to you though. What are your thoughts? Does that deserve number one on the list? Gerald? Oh, hold on. So I'm sorry. My right, my Gerald. phone had my phone had conked out. Um yeah, my phone had reset. So what was number one? Um, number one was Thanos looking on the grateful universe. I mean for number one, I would have to agree to that. I mean, Thanos, he basically, even with, I don't know if he was, he was near death when um, Thor stabbed him, like, in the chest with his hammer, but he he basically said what he was going to do, and he actually accomplished that. And he said, like, you know, once I wipe out, you know, half the universe, I'm going to go home. I'm going to crack open a beer, and I'm going to chill and watch, you know, the sunrise. And he did that. I mean, minus, you know, him cracking open a beer. But he, he sat there. You could see, like, like, you could see him when he sat down, like, even from, like, the pains of battle. Like, you could, like the way he was, like, limping, like, the, his body moving was he was tired. So, he, you know, for him to sit down and he, you know, he kind of let out, like, a, a relieving sigh. Like, he, you know, he got it done. And he, he, he cracked a little smile at, you know, the very end of the, the, the final few seconds of the scene, like, yo, I really did it. Like, and the scene ended. So I would say, yes, that 
you know, that goes at, you know, number one until, you know, we we do a list for, I guess, Infinity War 2 or whatever they're going to call the movie. But to see Thanos, a happy Thanos, like, yeah, I did it. Uh, that deserves number one. All right, we've got, wow, two on two. So, guys, I do want to say we are running a little short on time, so we're going to have to end the debate next week. Um, and it sounds like we're going to have to challenge for that number one spot because we've got two no's and two yeses. So just hold tight, and we will continue next week. Uh, I do know Juwan has some news you wanted to share. Uh, yes. First of all, I want to say, Isaac, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to have you for many more episodes, man. You were great, and it, I, had a, I had a lot of fun uh, talking over with you, man. Oh, yeah, no. And and, and, and by the way, um, just so this is – this has been the most fun discussion I have ever had about Infinity War. Um, I'm super glad that all of you have been here to uh, express your sentiments. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on the show. I would love to do this as often as humanly possible. It lets me get all of my crazy out about my fandom stuff. And you guys are the perfect team. You guys are the perfect folks to do it with. So thank you so much for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll definitely make that happen. And thank you to our host, Leo. Great job moderating, as always. And, Gerald, thank you for coming on and joining us, buddy. Um, I wanted Mm -hmm. to end the show on some pretty huge news because Geek Vibes Live will not be airing tomorrow because of Mother's Day, but I'm sure that is no shock to anyone. Um, (laughs) Good news that I was going to introduce tomorrow, I will introduce tonight. All right, here it is. We will be interviewing the creator of Deadpool, Mr. Rob Liefeld himself, next Saturday in person. An in-person That's interview amazing. with Mr. Rob Liefeld. And stay tuned. You guys are hearing it first. Stay tuned. We will next month, before the release of the uh, season two, we will be interviewing Mike Coulter, Simone Mystic, Alfre Woodard, Mustafa Shakir and Theo Rossi, and the showrunner himself, Cheo Hadari Choker. So stay tuned for that. We have so many great interviews coming with so many uh, great talents. And make sure you guys are, are uh, staying tuned for the season two of Luke Cage because that's when all of these um, interviews will come out. But Mr. Rob Lightfield, that, that interview will be next Saturday. Me and Joel will be tackling that in New York with him in person. But if you have not checked out our last interview, we interviewed Mr. Colossus himself. It was a lot of fun. He gave us a lot of kind of uh, updates on uh, what we can expect from him in Deadpool 2 and if we might see Colossus in the next Force movie. So make sure you go check that out. We are on iTunes. Kanan has all the links and everything up on Twitter, so make sure you go check it there, guys. Um, but we have a great interviews that we've done with Colossus just now, and we have Mr. Rob Lightfield next week, so stay tuned for that. And again, thank the panelists. Thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Gerald. And thank you, Leo. And we will finish this very intense debate uh, next <laughs> week, so stay tuned for that. See you later. Later, guys. All right. Be cool, everybody.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.